They Damned and Dead podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to They Damned and Dead podcast. That's right. I'm Justin. And I am known as Nick in this realm. And this is the realm of the show where we talk about the paranormal, cryptids, UFOs, magic, rituals, conspiracies, woo-woo, and yada, yada, yada. We need to do a, woo, a woo-woo and yada, yada show. Episode. Nothing but I don't woo, think- nothing but yada. Nothing but woos and yadas. We've done everything else, but we've not give, given the woos and yadas their dues and dadas. <laughs> I think you got a good point there. We could just do a 100% woo yada. Yeah. Although I guess the winging it episode was kind of woo yada. I don't even remember what we talked about. We'll have to revisit that. <laughs> when we could go straight woo, just go to like, you know, a, uh, like a, like an occult bookshop and just pick up the cheesiest looking things <laughs> we <Yeah>. can find. <laughs> Just every time I find a Crowley book, woo! Yeah. I mean, because I always, you know, I always considered it was woo-woo, like, uh, you know, people say, like, let, let's say you bring out a pendulum or something, and you're like, I'm healing myself with this pendulum, and somebody's like, oh, woo-woo-woo, you know, like, that's just sort of like a, a derogatory term of, mm-hmm. you know, taking it back, new age stuff and occultism in general. Yeah. And the Yada was... I mean, I'm assuming the Yada has always been just our pleasant banter. I thought the Yada was sex. We do sex? <laughs> you can't I don't remember that. Sex? That is not okay. No, we generally <laughs> don't talk about sex. I think it is the banter. Well, we do uh, talk about sex magic every once in a while. Sex magic does come up every so often. And, oh, man, I tell you what. We're going to do an episode on it at some point, but I do have a very strange sex magic book that I got at the antique store I used to work at. It'll be a fun episode. Ooh, that's the perfect Stay combination tuned. of woo and yada. It sure is y'all. It sure is. So uh, we hope everybody's had some safe and happy holidays, whatever you celebrated. Um, it is now after all the holidays that we're recording this. Yes, so we can happy, safely say happy new year to everybody. Welcome to 2022 um electric boogaloo trying to give it some kind of spice so we can enjoy it yeah i i saw something that i thought was pretty funny uh on on the reddits was uh somebody somebody just put up the post saying you know i haven't really seen anybody say 2022 is gonna be my year and that says a lot (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah it's we're, we're having it rough it continues to be rough but Let's make hope. Let's say 2022. God damn it. There's got to be something good in there. Yes. We're, uh, we're, we're, I don't know. <laughs> I was about to mangle various uh, sayings and um, jingles and slogans together and just try to put the word hope in there, but maybe something new is called for. And uh, we really do just need to bring hope, bring hope back. Yeah. And bring uh hope back. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully this hope will, I don't know. What does hope really do for us anyway? I mean, hope is like, uh, you know, things are really bad. It's you're, you're taking a positive view of the potential of the future, right? Exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, and that's, I, I think that's a good thing to do. And that's a very human characteristic, uh, you know, that we have that, that drives us, drives us too good, you know, although I guess. I guess hope can be used as a weapon as well. If you have a really, if you have really evil intentions, you still hope for those evil intentions to happen. Sure. Yeah. So let's hope for good intentions. Let's manifest some love in this motherfucker. 
I agree. Love, uh, unity, kindness. There is a uh, there was an old raver saying, uh, P-L-U-R, peace, love, unity, and respect. I think uh, uh, we can all do with a little more of that. Okay. I, 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 I was thinking that was just a list of drugs you would take. Um, <laughs> so yeah, PCP, LSD, <laughs> uh, what is the uranium, PCP? uranium oxide, <laughs> <laughs> reefer. There you go. So we have, uh, the first section of our show, uh, our first, uh, official segment after our introductory banter is <laughs> God. emails from our viewers emails from our viewers hold on <laughs> wait a dick they, they damned, 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 damned and dead they damned and dead they damned and dead podcast I'm probably going to leave this in uh, <laughs> wrong bumper 936 we so, love uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling a little brain dead. I can't even run a soundboard right now. I'm getting over the COVID. Uh, so let's try this again. Normally, this is when we talk about viewer mail. That's right. <laughs> Wait, this is again the wrong. <laughs> okay, now we have to leave it all in. Yeah, this because is thing just in. a comedy of errors. Here it is. <laughs> That That's is the, the correct button sound. on the soundboard for emails. Yeah. Which uh, still, no one really seems to send emails in 2022. I can't uh, get a response for anything. I've been shooting out like interview emails and stuff. Nothing's coming back, man. Nothing's coming back. Well, we will continue to hope and continue to try. And if anyone does exactly. want to email us, they can do so. Uh, Podcast at protonmail.com. We're also out there on the social medias. Yep. Uh, we need to be more active on them, I guess. Maybe that's sure, how we get. Sure, maybe sure. that's how we go viral. How do we yeah, get viral, to... Nick? Tell me that. Uh, is is there some sort of secret to becoming a TikTok influencer that I am unaware of that maybe we could uh, take advantage of here? Do we have to do a uh, dance or something like that? As as far as I know, it just involves being under thirty, so I have no fucking clue outside of that. Oh, I mean, we can do that, right? No, I. Well, <laughs> uh, as soon as we get outside of space and time i guess i can be whatever <laughs> fucking age i want to be uh so that's great but as far as turning back the clock on this corporeal shell no nah, nah dog we are fucked so i think you're right in that uh you know to be a a, a famous person on tiktok you need to be under 30 but from what i understand pets are very popular on tiktok so you could make true. a dump truck channel yeah and you could you know go viral with dump truck and get you know bazillions of fans and then you could start putting you know at the beginning and end of every dump truck video you could be like listen to my podcast that's true it's maybe true. that's the secret we have to come from a different angle at this yeah and and god damn it i hate i hate capitalism so much that an idea to make to to sell a show is to sell out my dog uh but it's a good idea yeah, I mean, and just think awful. of it. Uh, every the beginning of every TikTok, it sounds like this. Duncan, this is your bumper. <laughs> How was you? How was your bumper, Dumpjack? He woke up. He is currently in the. Uh, he got a new bed for for the holidays, and mm. this boy is upside down bed for life. Mm. He always flips his beds upside down before he sleeps. He doesn't like it. You know, I like he wants the way. bottom of the bed. Yeah, he wants to sleep on a fucking uh, uh, like hammock. He doesn't want to be surrounded 
<laughs> he wants that dip. That is hilarious. Yeah, he's a sweet little boy. Um, See, that's that could be the first series of videos is you creating a tiny hammock and watching him try to get into it. <laughs> oh, that would be so sad for so long until he got it. Then it would be so good, but he would go through so much trial and error that he would not enjoy. I would have to have like beds and pillows spread out on the floor for him. So I felt okay with it. Because um, I am very much a helicopter mom. Uh, I, I noticed, yeah. I noticed. When it comes to my doggy, I, I, I love Hilarious. my little boy. Yeah. Um, one of my main concerns yesterday, I got a tattoo yesterday. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, was like, where is dump truck going to go? He can't come along. I need to get him a babysitter. So you couldn't take him into the studio? I mean, I figured a tattoo. I didn't want to. Like, here, just. I was already running super late. We'll get into the story, but just, you know, I was already running super late. I didn't want to impose. Uh, uh, or anything, you know, or even ask on my first one. Next time mm-hmm. I go back for another tattoo there, which I absolutely fucking will, um, I'll be like, hey, you know, and maybe hopefully uh, my partner will be back by then. So, you know, I'll be like, hey, it, you know, my partner's coming too. Can we bring our dog? And they'll watch her. Watch him. Is it cool? I'll feel more comfortable asking on the second time. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would have been like, hey, can dump truck man the gun for a few minutes? You know, maybe he can... Uh... You know, sort of like when, you, like you know, you have like a little kid and you're teaching them to drive. Yeah. You know, oh, they yeah. Sit, they sit on your lap and they hold the steering wheel. Well, have a tattoo with a heavy hand and then make that joke again. I bet you won't. I bet you won't. <laughs> can, can dump trucks Paul just rest on there? Can he participate? I mean, he would love licking my toes while it happened. Mm, I bet I he'd be that licking would be the extent of him him helping. Yeah, he'd be licking the. The newly, oh, you know, the tattoo wound. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're going to get to the tattoo later. We're jumping the gun on that already. Do we have anything for emails or, or for this section? We don't have any emails. I do think that, uh, as we've been talking about, I think to to get listener engagement, yes. we need to be more engaged. So We do. We absolutely do. I, I did put a lazy cat gif on our discord today just to let everybody know we've been real lazy over the holidays nice i like that that was something i gotta figure out if i can make uh, our discord open to join because as of as it stands i think i have to invite people i think all discord is like that like you can't just join oh i don't know okay maybe that's something we need to figure out more of i'll i'll Oh, public server lift listing here's the we could list it on discordservers.com once we Okay. Make it public. Well, let's see if it's already on there. I think we've got They Damned and Dead. Here's the Among Us server. Did you ever play that game? No, it was too popular. It was dumb. I, I tried it. It was like Secret Hitler. It was just like really lame. Yeah, I thought it was something like, uh, um, oh, what's that fucking movie where everybody's out in the ice? And uh, Let's see. Aliens versus Predator? No, 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 no. This was fucking Kurt Russell in the early 80s. The thing. Oh, the thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're not showing up on there. All right. So we we do uh, we can make it public apparently. So we got to do okay. that at some point. So we'll make it public so you don't have to like be invited. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sorry we don't know this shit. Uh, this is this is a lot of this is the social media stuff is very new to both of us. Even though we've, you know been around it for a long time i don't think either one of us has ever truly wanted to participate more than we had to 
Yeah, I've uh, I loved MySpace, hated Facebook, and everything is like Facebook to some extent at this yeah. point. I just I don't like it. But there's the network effect, right? Like it, like the more people are using a thing or a network, the more useful it becomes by default. So it's like right. there's, you know, I, it's like so we can just you know be but but then as 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 the network gets large enough then it becomes more difficult to use as a um you know a way of growing your audience and your engagement Mm -hmm. right like it's like well if if, you know facebook is probably the biggest social network in the world uh but how the hell do you get anyone to pay attention to you when it's the biggest network in the world it is a drag, but we need to get on it. We got to figure so out we... how to deal with that. Yeah, you know, we are getting, you know, pretty regular new likes on the Facebook, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. We appreciate that. Anybody who's who's joined us, um, if only that like button subscribed them on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, subscribe on Spotify. That's our big thing because that's only really where we are right now. Although we are going to be branching out, we're trying to get on Apple Podcasts. What was the other one that we just got an email about? Um, Amazon Music apparently Amazon is hosting Music. podcasts now. Yeah, so we're not hosting we, them, but they're you know they're providing a feed. Right. So we'll get on there. Um, you know, unless the contract says that they legally own our podcast if we put it on there, which they contacted us, so it's probably predatory. <laughs> um, Very well, could be. You know, but we're trying but to get. I've I've found more. Uh, weird indie crap on amazon prime than i have anywhere else it's true it's true but they know how to feed it to me i feel like that's because and i need to i need to check who owns no doesn't google own youtube yes definitely so then why what's the connection between google and amazon because amazon pulls so much stuff directly off of youtube well, it's, I don't, I think we've uh, had, we talked we discussed about this, this before, but we, I don't think we ever came to a firm conclusion on this, but my theory is that the, it is the content creators that are using it as a distribution platform. Not that they are, not that Amazon is somehow uh, robbing YouTube from of this content. Oh, so you think they're just putting it on both? I think it's really easy to upload your crap to Amazon Prime Video. Because, you, I mean, think about the shit we found on Kindle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like anybody can put anything on there. That's I found true. this, uh, I got, I, I'm struggling to remember the name of it right now, but I watched and thoroughly enjoyed this, uh, this video over the weekend called, like, uh, Is This a Joke? I think is what it's called. Nice. And it's just, it's basically like some, the, the creator of the movie just took every single like stupid joke from uh, a, like a, a Playboy joke compendium Ooh. or something like that from like 19, you know, 80 something and just yeah. got a bunch of his friends together and they acted out each stupid joke. And then at the end of every single, uh, joke you know at the end of every joke reenactment there's like a stupid sound effect like or like you know like uh, a dog barking or something 
I mean, it is. <laughs> so the kind of cheese that we really enjoy. Exactly. It is. It, okay. it was. It was right up my alley. Every joke was horrible. You know, it was like dad jokes or just like dumb bar jokes. Mm. Uh, and then it, it starts off. So it starts off. You know, the theme music is playing, and a uh, a rabbi walks into a bar and sits down next to a priest. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's good. That's real good. You know, just like the classic uh, old crappy joke thing. And and um, the quality is, you know, it's not top quality. It's, it was very, very low budget, if there was a budget at all. Uh, also, a lot of nudity, which was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love love, love some uh, nudity on film. Give me them butts. Yeah, a lot of, there was a lot of butts. You know, and that's the one thing, like, and, and, I, and I'm not... I guess you have to sexualize a little bit because we are talking about naked butts. But yeah. I, I get so much enjoyment seeing a butt on screen. It's not <laughs> sexual for me. It's you know what I mean, and it's completely genderless. It's just like, hey, look at there that. We, go. we got a butt, y'all. Like, there was a. <laughs> I think so too, and because we're, we're you know the television that we've uh, we're constantly subjected to, it's a big no no. So I like it because it's renegade. You know, it's a rebel yeah. subject. It's, God, you know, we're going to get just going to complain about something else that's normal. Like the fact that butts and, and nudity is so fucking, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's real dumb. Y'all, we all got butts. I, uh, I watched another, speaking of non sexual nudity uh, being at least funny or somewhat, you know, pleasing. I watched this other indie movie. Like I was saying, like I get a lot of crazy indie movies piped to me through Amazon Prime. And it was about these two uh, half sisters who inherited a nudist colony retreat. Not a colony, but it was like a, a campground that was specifically for nudists and they inherited it from their dead father. Well, so they go the and yeah, so the that's the premise. They go and they hang out with all these nudists for uh a week or so while they try to figure out what they're going to do with the property and there's just a lot of like um you know when you think of nudists you don't necessarily think of a bunch of uh you know lithe sexy young people right you know no, not if you've ever if you've ever actually seen a nudist colony you know that that is not the case right and and they um uh, one of my favorite part of the movie was they made the joke that there's some jobs at the nudist colony where you can wear clothes and there's others where you can't <laughs> okay. well, most of the time you can't right it's like you can't wear clothes because it's the newest colony but they're like but there's some jobs where we allow you to wear clothes and they show all the reasons why you have to wear clothes while you're frying bacon working on a car <laughs> and the, <laughs> the working on a car one was great because they showed this dude bent over under the hood of a car and his ball sack was hanging and just like flapping in the wind <laughs> but then they showed him disconnecting an oil line and he goes oh <laughs> Like I think it sprayed him in the cock. And I was yeah, just like, you know? "This is fucking fantastic, man!" This is uh... the movie itself was not very good, but the con- the premise I watched to the end just for the premise. It's a great premise. It sounds fun. It sounds like a good time. <laughs> very know? good time. And, I love uh... a good uh, ball sack motor oil joke. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> You know, and that's, I think, I think it's great. I've, I've always loved, a, a, you know, satirical PSA kind of situation, you know, mm, gotta love or, it, a, or, or work 
training videos. Those are always hilarious, whether oh, yeah. or not they're jokes or not. Oh, it's always a good time. So that's, yeah, I, I'll have to see if I can find that. Sounds like a fun, fun thing to watch. Yeah, both of them definitely recommend. I will uh, try to figure out what the hell they were and send them to you. Word up. So with our uh, viewer mail segment out of the way, we generally talk about ritual practice. That's correct. Let's get that bowl going. Oh, yeah. Feel that euphoria. I think you should lead off this week's ritual practice segment because you have some big inky news, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we already talked about it. You know, I, uh, I, I got, I've talked about it before on the show. Uh, I got my sigil tattoos done yesterday and uh, they came out awesome. All right. So first and foremost, I'm going to shout out uh, Kristen Lester, uh, my tattoo artist. They did a fantastic fucking job. Um, and uh, so they, they have. All right. So first we're going to do a little, little ad for them because you know how we love to, to do ads for people. Uh, whoever, whatever companies influence our lives. Well, the harvest of Hagerstown, Maryland, is where this tattoo was performed and uh, highly recommended, y'all. So if you want to get a really fun tattoo designed, they have great artists. Uh, Kristen, my artist, was fantastic with the design help and uh, adding some extra stuff to really make it pop. And and even, like, they made it line up numerologic. numerologic damn, that's a hard one to say. Numerologically? So, numerologically thank you very much um <laughs> just a man in a few syllables it's all good he's got a he's got to fart it out sometimes uh you know they they uh made enough extra parts to make the numbers line up to, to even an even better number because i was at five parts and then they added some things to make it to seven parts so that the seven is much better for the tattoo's purpose and the sigil's purpose so it was great and i got it oh man now, you, you do not have any tattoos, right? I do not, no. Okay. So I talked about this for a second when, when, when uh, we were making jokes about dump truck helping and how that uh, would be a heavy hand. <laughs> Kristen had some of the best hand work, like the level of touch. It's, it was so light. It was so comfortable. I was, we were laughing having a good time the entire time I was getting tattooed basically on my neck. Mm-hmm. Which I hear and is it a, was, you know, it's a tough place. Your, your chest, it's and tough, neck. you know, and it's very easy to get a little too deep, but they were fantastic. So I like, not just because they're my friend, but a truly talented artist and tattooer. I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a wonderful experience all around. So look them up. Uh, they are appointment only, so uh, go to the Harvest on Facebook, and uh, you can reach out to them and make an appointment if you're in the Hagerstown area. And I think they actually travel sometimes too, so they might be able to, you know, you might be able to find them closer to your area if you're not in Hagerstown. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, awesome work, highly recommended. The Harvest. So, as, as that is out of the way, we'll get to the to the spirituality and the actual sigil work. What I had done is I had three sigils that I designed um, and, you know, they're sort of, they have their own individual purpose, which then sort of like work together where 
all three are necessary for the ultimate goal, which is, you know, and I don't mind saying this part is we're not giving away the exact, you know, names of the sigils. Um, it's basically to put me on that golden path that I've talked about before. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's that um, getting to your highest potential and uh, the, the, the necessities you need in order to be that best being that you want to be. And for me, uh, the three things that really were important to me, I made into these sigils and, uh, and it came out awesome. And then Kristen, they took the design and they didn't modify it all that much for this. They really like, they tightened up the lines, made it real even and balanced looking, gave a little bit of extra lines to give it like a, a 3d sort of shadowy effect. Mm -hmm. And then we added, I got, I got a sun person and a moon person who are running around actively building them as it is a continuing process of, of, you know, getting yourself to that better person to that. Not that I'm sorry when I say better person, because that's not necessarily what I mean. Um, but the person you strive to be, yeah, you know, your best ver your best self that is not necessarily a goal, but is already part of you. Because if you have this ideal of your best version of yourself, it's already a part of you. You know, you couldn't have the design if it wasn't already there. And so it is just highlighting those aspects and trying to remind yourself, like every morning now, I look in the mirror. Well, every morning, this was the first morning I did it. But I look in the mirror. <laughs> every single morning. After every this one single thing first one morning I've done this, I can look in the mirror and I can see these three ideals. And I don't even remember which, and this is the best part, I don't remember which pillar is which. Mm -hmm. Because it's so interchangeable that it doesn't matter. They all represent all three almost in a quantum state. You know? So... It reminds me of who I want to be and what I want to put into the world, because that's all, you know, that's all that magic is, is, is putting your intent into the mass intent, you know, and hopefully enough people thinking the same thing that that idea gets stronger and starts to become more dominant. In my case, that is, uh, uh, you know, we will give the names. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Magic is what you want to make it. And I'm proud of these pillars. So I don't have to be scared to say what they are. It was wisdom, empathy, and harmony. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and these things I think are so important that I need to not remind myself so I, because I forget them, but remind myself because they're so important that I want that to be a dominant part of my mindset rather than letting something else come in right off the bat in my brain. You know what I mean? It's like starting the day off with a cup of coffee. I'm starting my mind off at the beginning of the day because that mirror is right next to my bed when I wake up and I get out and go, oh, there I am. These are the aspects of your personality that you should push forward at every chance. I love that because, you know, for, for me personally, and I, th I think for lots of people out there, there's, there is a, uh, it's easy to fall into a habit where you're going to bed anxious and upset and waking up anxious and upset. Oh yeah. It's bad. And 
I think that's really important. And I love that. Uh, I, I, that's something that, you know, uh, I've been trying to do for myself lately, where if I find that I'm wait, you know, I'm waking up and I'm thinking of the, you know, falling directly into the rut of some sort of negative thought pattern. Mm-hmm. I just take a deep breath and I kind of like, you know, slap myself about the face a little bit. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that. I am yeah. gonna choose to be uh, happy because there's a lot of positive things going on here and I'm going to choose to be very happy about them and I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, you know works there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that I want to change, but I'm like, I'm not going to let myself go into the rut. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to approach this positively and do the absolute best that I possibly can in a positive way. Yeah. And, and doing that in, you know, on sort of, I, I haven't named pillars, but I, but that's kind of what I've been working towards. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a really cool way of doing it in the morning where you're like, Hey, wisdom, empathy. And what was the third one? Harmony, harmony, wisdom, empathy, harmony. Because really, all, everything really has to remind yourself. Together. Yeah. Really remind yourself in the morning. Is this, you know, is this first thought, are these first thoughts that I'm having, are these wise, empathetic, harmonious thoughts? Right. Or are they chaotic, aggressive, nasties? Yeah. Which is what I usually wake up and fall asleep to. But I also am really bad at sleeping. So, you know, when you're sleep deprived, it just makes all that negativity easier. Like, I, you know, I, I struggle with, with, uh, mental illnesses. Uh, I have been diagnosed with severe anxiety and depression. And uh, so, you know, as you're saying, it's, you know, you, when you have those negative intrusive thoughts, you try to push them out. When you have that, you know, this, this, the hev- these heavy fucking things, it's harder to do that. You know, it makes it sometimes impossible to get out of that spiral, at least for a time, mm-hmm. you know? So it really, I'm choosing to try to do, to, take care of it without, you know, prescription medication. Um, but, and that's why things like, like this tattoo are so effective, not only, you know, esoterically, but also psycho psychologically, because I force myself to think about this instead of immediately letting my mind do what it always does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's an active approach an active, tangible approach to to that, you know, uh, dismissal of the of the intrusive thought. Right. And so it helps a lot. It's the same thing that's been doing that I, that that the runes help me with when I do the introspection and I do the bind rune to, to sort of guide me that day. It's it's all these different steps to change the way my mind works when it's on its own time. You know, when I'm not actively trying to think about something and it's on, it's off the clock, that's when it goes into the scary shit. That's when it goes into the bad shit that I don't, I don't need to be thinking about, you know? So it's, it's, it's basically trying to give my subconscious a hobby, I guess, in a way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's got too much time twiddling. It's fucking nasty thumbs. Give it a little bit of guidance. Yeah. A little bit of. You know, hey, let's step away from the self-deprecation for a little bit there, buddy. Thanks. Draw mm-hmm. some fucking runes, you asshole. <laughs> it helps. So anyway, so yeah, so that's my sigil. Uh, that's my sigil tattoo. Um, 
I felt pretty bad though. Cause I will tell you the, a bit of the story. Uh, and I'm so glad that they contacted me when they did or else it wouldn't have happened at all yesterday. I misunderstood the messages, the conversation and thought that the tattoo consultation was going to be yesterday. So <laughs> I was fully prepared to have a video chat, uh, unshowered and just clean from, you know, the torso up. Uh, <laughs> but they were like, Hey, see it one. Here's my address or here's the, the shop's address. Like, Oh fuck. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the situation. Um, and I, you know, you don't, I don't want to waste an artist's time when I, when I purchased a slot that they reserved for me that they could have given to somebody who was actually going to make the money, you know? So we worked it out where it was basically if I got there by, by two 30, you know, my appointment was at one, uh, then we could still pull it off. And so I rushed around and got my dog to, to my parents' house and made it over there. Uh, and, and, you know, made it in time. It was all successful, but it was just, it was pretty funny. Um, sort of another comedy of errors of just like, Oh, Oh, we're getting the, we're doing the tattoo today. <laughs> okay. And the funny thing is I pictured you uh, jumping out and riding your Harley to Hagerstown to get this tattoo. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to jump on my hog and haul ass to Hagerstown. <laughs> if I had a hog, it would have helped. <laughs> That's, man, that sounds like a country song. <laughs> if I, I had a hog, hog it would have helped. <laughs> yeah, and it probably would have because I would have been able to weave through some of the more interesting traffic on 70 yesterday. Dump truck in the sidecar, you know. Oh my God, that would be fucking cute. <laughs> a little like, but like a fully domed bubble yeah. that he just gets to sit in the middle of and ride around. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> See, why aren't there more custom vehicle shops? This is another thing I don't understand. Why do we stick to the big business vehicle companies? And we could have gone the route of building your own shops, just had parts put together. Hey, what are you looking for? Two door, four door. How many people you need to fit? We'll patch something together. What's your budget? What are we working mm-hmm. with? Right. Again, I know I've talked about that before. I know I've talked about wanting to have uh, um, gas to electric conversion kits. I think that's the thing that needs to be designed so we, that we can convert all these pre-made vehicles into electric vehicles or you know any kind of of renewable energy vehicle you know like the hydro engine we talked about the other episode the guy who got killed over that shit mm-hmm. i don't know why i'm getting on this tangent right now i guess just because i was on the highway and thinking about it but <laughs> you know that should be more of a thing like and then think how much space we would save if we were building cars on order instead of going to a lot and picking one out. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? We wouldn't need car lots like that. Shit. And nowadays you can order anything from anywhere. So it's like, why not? Why not just do it that way? So we'll, build, we'll put a car together for you when you need it. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I, I hate cars. I do as well. And roads. I think we should be flying right now. But I agree point. with you. There's There's got to be better... Uh, ways to operate this whole transportation, you know, nightmare of a transportation system that has been created around us. Yeah, I did see, and I'll mention this uh, because I thought it was pretty cool looking. You can look it up. There was a Cadillac has just came out with a, uh, this like a, you know, what do they call their, their not, the cars are not going to put on the market, but like their most extreme designs. Uh, There's a term for that. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I don't know. No. Uh, concept cars. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've concept heard that, cars. Heard that term. So this is yeah. a concept design by Cadillac, but it was a one-person dr- uh, um, automated vehicle that was basically four helicopter blades and a pod. And there, the the big thing was like, and we're so going to come out car. with a two-seater soon. Mm-hmm. And again, what the fuck? Where is it? Uh, no, it's not a vehicle. It's a flying, put in flying drone. There it is. Cadillac made a one-person flying car. Yeah, a one-person flying car. Like, okay. And they also have, if you look over at the other pictures, they have the uh, that rectangle box is their uh, automated SUV. <laughs> I like the rectangle box. It's reminiscent. I do too. Of the old I would BW fucking ride bus. around. I would love driving around in that. Not even driving it, just letting the car drive itself around. <laughs> no windows. What I'm not looking see. forward to is paying Cadillac a monthly fee to have their car drive me around. Because that, that's like what everything's going towards now. It's like you don't get to buy anything and own and operate it. It's like just pay us True. rent, and yeah. <laughs> and you can use the thing. I'm like companies are getting so desperate for rent. It's fucking nuts. Like they're trying to well, trying to make all, everything into rent. They all see that the subscription <clears throat> plan is the best way to make a stupid amount of money because you can still charge a really high front end fee. Sure. You know, yeah. it's still going to be like even if they rent you this fucking automated vehicle, you know, you're still going to have to pay like 15 grand up front. Right, yeah, you're, and you're then paying it's 200 the purchase a month. price and then now yeah. you get to be a Peloton subscriber and watch our exactly. stupid videos. Like, my mother recently just had to purchase an update to her GPS on her car. Wow. What they made the her fuck? buy the GPS update? Yeah. Why didn't well well here's a question. I mean, why didn't she just use uh you know? I I, I actually I take back my question. And I'm actually going to go with this from the other angle, uh, which is, I think, what you're, what you're getting at, which is questioning why you would make a uh, person who is, you know, near or at retirement age pay for a fucking software update for a product that they have already purchased. Anybody. Yes. You know, like, especially you know, those in the retirement age, air, you know, section. And how, long, like, and how old is the car? That's like the big question, because, I mean, like, even like. For example, uh, Windows, the yeah. operating system of basically most of you know the personal computers in the world. You don't have to buy a new copy of Windows, except for every like seven to fifteen years. Yeah, they have free updates. Right, it's free updates that... for most of the most of the life cycle of the the device. Right, because it, you know it's a matter of keeping it safe and keeping it updated and relevant. But when it comes to maps the gps on your car and the guidance system on your car Mm -hmm. the fact that you have to pay to update like important information because if she didn't update her maps and tried to drive somewhere there could be you know like a road closed there there could be a million different things that could have changed that she is now you know misguided on the roads and stuck somewhere she doesn't know where she's supposed to be you know what i mean like this this is when it's this is, I think, a difference between a want and a need. You know what I mean? Like, 
having updated map information in your vehicle is a fucking need, not a want. You know what I mean? And I think that should be a free update. Like, if she I, was I mean, updating I her guess, car, like we, we it, did fine with that before, without it before. But I see your point though. It's like, why isn't it free? It, like, it doesn't have to cost money. It doesn't have to cost money. And you when know. you have when you have a map that isn't updated, it's wrong. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is an incorrect map. You are now we, using incorrect information. We used to get around <laughs> without maps at all. We would just drive around without maps. <laughs> I mean, we had maps, though, but they were paper and you had to fold them out and figure out where the fuck you were. Yeah, and practically nobody used them. They would just drive around. Dad's used them, <laughs> from what I remember. From what I've seen on, on, on you know, 70s era sitcoms, they were very bad at using maps, but they used them. Right. I mean, I, honestly, I uh, am in the unique position of having had to use a map for a, a job that I had for a yeah. while in the very early 2000s. I worked with a surveyor and we had to drive all around over Hell's Creation. And there was, you know, this was early 2000s. There's no iPhone, right? So there, right. I, there was GPS technology, but it wasn't commonly used. And the guy that I worked for was a crotchety old asshole who's he wouldn't have bought a fucking GPS if you held a gun to his head. <laughs> right. He just he just showed me how to read a map. He's like, here's a map of Selbyville. Tell me how to get to this field we're surveying. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and and but barring that, it's like if somebody really needed to get somewhere, they would just go ask for directions. Yep. Or they would just be like, I heard it's over here. And in and now it's like, you know, does anybody go anywhere without consulting the map? But, but the, the, the infuriating thing is what you're bringing up here is uh, the person was sold a car with a GPS in it. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to, you know, charge the, this individual for GPS updates. Right. For this car. Yeah. Like if it were like a instead of that, maybe just make it a, you know, a software update where the car can now leverage the cell phone GPS. And then you don't have to, you don't have to worry about updating it ever again because your phone's going to update yeah. Now, again, they're in a unique position because they live in a terrible reception, cell phone reception area. Like my mother actually has to stand in one specific spot in the house or else like we can't talk on the phone. I'm seriously wow. trying to get them to have a landline again because this shit just does not work. So you guys ridiculous. live in like the fucking Bermuda Triangle. Well, she yeah, they live up in the mountains. So, you know, the signal strength is not strong up there. And uh, this is more of a theory. But I believe that Fort Dietrich has a lot to do with reception in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, I don't think they're necessarily blocking reception. I think they're dominating reception. So, I mean, re- reception for LTE is all about, uh, you know, line of sight and on, on radio towers that are, you know, beaming out the, the radio frequency signals. Mm-hmm. So if they're very high up, then the towers that are you know beaming out the lte signal might be down in the valley a little bit more in frederick and and that signal doesn't travel up very well it travels like out and down pretty well but it doesn't really they don't really point those things up so i guess that could be the problem yeah yeah it's definitely a big part of the problem is the is the tower reception but uh be that as it may that's i think that's why she uses her car gps so much because it's more reliable it's but like, um, it actually goes to like an actual satellite kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, 
so yeah, what I was going to say is like, if she was updating it so that she could now access, we were talking about before Amazon prime on her screen. Sure. That's an update that you could fucking pay for. Cause that's not a tool. That's, that's a fucking toy. Yeah. Right. But the fucking map is a tool. Like you need that shit. If you're using this car, you're using the GPS, you should have access to the most up-to-date maps for fucking free. That's ridiculous to fucking do that. Cause it doesn't, mm-hmm. What the fuck does it cost? You're already fucking they, going back and forth with this information all the time anyway. Out of curiosity, how do they even update it? Did they have to like pop the hood and put a floppy disk in somewhere? <laughs> like, I, what the fuck is this thing? I could be wrong, but I do think I remember her mentioning like a, a zip drive. Like a flash drive had to be yeah. plugged in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you asked earlier, I think it's like, it's somewhere between like a 2016 and a 2018 Jeep. It's a newer Jeep. Huh. At oldest, maybe 2014, but it's definitely a newer Jeep. That's definitely sad. I mean, if it was from like pre-2010, I could see charging somebody to update it, but it's four years old. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. Just fucking send send the update. Yeah. It's probably still paying on the fucking loan. You know? Yeah, it's it's (laughs) dumb. It's really, really dumb, and it infuriates me that they, they charged my sweet mother for a map. Yeah. Speaking of, being infuri- speaking of being infuriated, the uh, when we looked up on DuckDuckGo, the uh, the GM flying drone thing, yeah. the first three headlines that we get are GM unveils Cadillac, Cadillac flying car for rich people. Yeah, <laughs> so for yeah. rich people, probably fairly infuriating the price of this thing if it ever comes to market. Yeah. Yeah, which is another reason we need to bring down the capitalist economy and everybody should have access to the most up-to-date technology because what the fuck are we doing it for if not to better humanity? Like, the fuck? Bettering uh, humanity or bettering the lives of a very small subset of humanity. I mean, isn't that what we're all working for here together? <laughs> to make other people's a few other people's lives really 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 fucking sweet yes exactly well we all fucking suffer fucking so stu- <laughs> fucking stupid so my ritual practice has been bombed com- almost completely because i got covid uh but you know we, we talked a, a little bit on the last episode about persevering you know and having a plan for when things go wrong mm-hmm so I have been keeping up with some of it, at least. But, you know, obviously not operating at my full potential right now or over the past week. But I, I, I you know, I have to give myself some credit because there was a time in my life where I would have just fucking flopped onto the couch and done absolutely nothing and let myself just completely go to shit mm-hmm. and been like, you know, this is the perfect excuse. I got COVID. Uh, I don't have to do anything or stick to any of my plans. You know, like that that's the the little voice in your head. That's like all it wants in the world is for you to be like, you're right. I shouldn't do anything. I shouldn't chase my dreams. <laughs> I should just be a fucking lump. Uh, I have not done that. I'm happy to report that. But, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm experiencing any forward progress, if you want to put it in terms of the NFL. Yeah. But, I do have to acknowledge that I've done better this time than I would have previously, because I still have been uh, doing as much as I can, especially, you know, going for a walk and getting out there. 
and making sure I'm doing something. Yeah. And I have also achieved some uh, work on creative things recently, which has been good. So just, you know, I started editing a song that I literally had had parked on a, th- a flash drive for all of last year, like starting in May. Oh, nice. And uh, I should have that finished this weekend. So right on. I don't feel too terribly bad about it. Uh, also been doing, I got a Fitbit, been doing the mindfulness thing on the Fitbit app it kind of reminds you to be mindful which is fun but you know overall I don't have a ton to report on the ritual practice front because I've been feeling pretty brain dead from the COVID yeah but uh you know good news it's it hasn't put me out of commission and I recovered didn't get really really sick and also recovered fairly quickly in my estimation but the, the, I didn't get tested, but one of the reasons I know it's COVID is because this is not like I keep having these like relapses throughout the day. Okay. And like, you know, throughout my entire life, if I ever had a cold or the flu, it followed a very predictable parabolic pattern. You know, it's like yeah. you start to get irritated, you cough, the disease reaches, uh, you know, the symptoms reach a, a height, a maximum, and then they go away. This has been like up and then reaching the maximum and then like, almost completely going away and then like certain symptoms spike again Ugh. you know and the 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 worst one is like this brain fog like i just feel like i'm hung over but i haven't drank anything in days awful yeah i'm like why why do i feel like i'm fucking hung over i don't know but anyway uh Tough, surviving so i'm glad and, you're getting better yeah i'm definitely getting better and i i, I imagine i'll be back to 100 percent within a few days here hope so my friend um Oh, you also reminded me, I did want to, I also wanted to say that, uh, uh, we, along with your Fitbit thing, if you have Waze, they have a, uh, a, a GPS voice right now from Headspace. Oh, the meditation the Headspace. App and yeah, shit. The Headspace it's, voice. it's fucking, it's pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, and I, sometimes I laugh about it and other times I take it seriously and it actually does really help because it's like, It'll be like, you know, you're driving past a, a, a car on the side of the road and it's like, take this time to be aware of the moment by feeling the seat beneath you. Oh, wow. So it guides you through a meditation while you're getting GPS. Yeah, it gives you little things like here comes your exit. Now's a great time to take a deep breath. <laughs> it's fucking wild dude i think i'm gonna have to re-download ways i haven't used it in years i i prefer it over uh google for sure um especially because i like the little like cop and accident and weird shit markers Mm -hmm. and i did see you know and i saw this on on uh i get all my twitter through reddit um (laughs) weirdly enough <laughs> That's a really funny thing to say. Isn't that a strange sentence? But it's completely true. I never get on Twitter, but I see Twitter popular tweets on Reddit all the fucking time. Right. People repost you know? their their twat to Reddit. Exactly. Same thing with TikTok. I've never been on fucking TikTok before, but I've seen TikTok videos on fucking Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um when they get into the zeitgeist enough. But there was a cop who was saying like who the hell do you think puts these cop markers on the GPS? Like, like being all smart, like you dummies, it's actually the cops saying where they are. Mm, and so they can, they can like falsely report a cop and then like 
up up the road a bit that's where they're actually sitting or you know just as a as a trap to make people slow down because they think a cop's coming up Mm -hmm. and to me i mean that sound you know he's making it sound all schemey and and clever it's like no who gives a fuck that's fine with me i you know whether there's a cop there or not great we've got a spot where people are fucking checking their speed Mm -hmm. what's wrong with that why is it that way why can't we just have like a reminder on the fucking highway hey remember to check your speed you know make that mindfulness happen for us instead of uh uh, planning to uh uh, punish yeah as you know like that's punitive yeah why can't it just be hey check your speed you might be going too fast. You might be going too slow. You might be going just right. Guess what? You should probably just check it just to remember because it's easy to forget when you're driving around for too long on the highway. Mm-hmm. That's how you positive. That's how you do. Man, I've got a little of that headspace too, man. But I'm, I, I have been tired all day. So my, <laughs> my, some of my sentences are going to fucking trail off into nothing. And I sincerely, severely apologize for that. We're entering the year in a uh, semi-lucid state here where both of us are a little bit brain dead. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't even have an excuse, man. I had a good night's sleep. Um, oh, another thing I wanted to bring, we're going back to the tattoo for a second because this is another fucking amazing thing I didn't know about. This Saniderm is what it's called. It's, Santa-derm? it's Saniderm, no, like I it's sanitized. I was going back to the holiday season. <laughs> Santaderm. Santaderm, welcome. Yes, that's... Santa-derm. <laughs> He's brought sanitize, sanitation to all. <laughs> Mm, delicious delicious sanitation no uh it is a something i didn't realize they use for tattoos or i hadn't heard about until yesterday but they use it for tattoos but it's also it's a thin clear film that they use to help heal burn victims and it's really fucking cool like they you put it on and for tattoos at least because tattoos and burns are actually very similar in in how they affect uh the skin so uh, you put this on and it's just going to heal my tattoo in five days and I peel this shit off and it'll be all good. It's fucking science, baby. Science magic. Good for poison ivy too. Pro- could be. I don't know. It, it very well could be. And it's also pet safe. Mm-hmm. So if it's, Dump Truck licks the, uh, the film, he's not going to die? He's going to be absolutely fine. You know he's going to lick that film. Dude, I've been, he's actually been a real good boy about <laughs> it. Uh, I was worried, like, uh, my partner and I were definitely talking like, oh man, what's going to happen? Like, how am I going to keep him off this fucking tattoo? Because I was thinking like a fucking caveman that I was going to be putting A&D ointment, uh, you know, baby rash ointment on this thing for two weeks. Was, is that like H- HP sauce? Is that like a, uh, like an, like an A1 ketchup kind of thing? A&D ointment? I'm, I, I'm just thrown because I mentioned like a baby ointment. And you went immediately to barbecue. Have you been eating baby? <laughs> and if so, maybe I'm just hungry. You could be. I was thinking HP sauce. I don't know why. That's, that makes. I hear the. I hear the similarities. But no, it's like. Uh, yeah, it's just like a uh, odorless, scentless. You know, uh, a Vaseline type ointment that you put on a tattoo to heal it up. Hmm. Uh, and there were other, you know, brands that were more specifically for that. But I've never had the saniderm before and it's fucking great and yeah unlike dump truck licking up a bunch of ointment ain't getting shit from this so very <laughs> pleased about that very pleased about that because he definitely was concerned 
first time like he got a close look he's like hold on you have new marks are you i can smell your ink blood yeah you've got there's there's damage under there i licked i lick damage things that's how i make things feel better so can (laughs) i please lick that is that is that something i can lick i'm like nah dog okay word always looking to lick always looking to lick because he's a good good boy yeah i'm talking about you anyway so after the tangents, <laughs> uh, the random tangents that we went off uh, on Holy during shit, we... our ritual practice segment, we have for you our third segment, which is kind of a roulette segment. Uh, we made oh, you, <laughs> sometimes we do uh, Weird Maryland. We'll do Weird Facts of Maryland. Yep. Sometimes we have a conspiracy section. Yep. And uh, at other times. <laughs> we can't decide what we want to do. We have something else. We'll just start recording. No, 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 I don't want to do that yet because there's going to be another episode. I don't want to talk about this in this episode. Oh, so there's something else? Something else? Something, something, something else? Something, something else? As I promised in previous episodes, I finally made a something else bumper. That was fantastic. Into the something else segment. That was really, I really enjoy that. I got to say, that was fun. You want to do it again? <laughs> sure. We should start recording. No, 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 I don't want to do that yet because there's going to be another episode. I don't want to talk about this in this episode. Oh, so there's something else? Something else? Something, something, something else? Something, something else? It, I don't know if you noticed it, but there's a squeak in the something else where dump truck squeaks a toy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> He's in there. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, I missed that one. I can't wait to hear that all the time now so I can hear it. Fine. I'll catch it next time. Yes. Now that I've told you about it, you're going to catch it. So That's a great bumper. On this week's something else, we, we decided to talk about it. Havana syndrome. Havana syndrome. I decided hey. to bring this up because Is that where you get a great tan and a and a nice big cigar. It yeah, it sounds like uh, you know, it sounds like maybe it's the uh, the the post vacation blues you get when you <laughs> exactly return from Havana. <laughs> it's like oh, I, don't I just wish leave. I, had a, I don't wish I had a coconut full of mojitos in my hand and a nice fat cigar. <laughs> <laughs> sounds oh, like yeah. a fantastic time right it sounds like th- that's the syndrome i want uh so I, I decided to bring this up because we've been talking about a cia document that was released on the foia or freedom of information act a while ago uh, we've been talking about this is actually part episode two of the gateway project uh correct series and I figured since we were talking about something that had to do with CIA, I would bring up Havana Syndrome. Havana Syndrome is, according to the Wikipedia, a set of medical symptoms with unknown causes experienced mostly abroad by U.S. government officials and military personnel. These symptoms range in severity from pain and ringing in the ears to cognitive difficulties and were first reported in 2016 by U.S. and Canadian embassy staff in Havana, Cuba. Beginning in 2017, more people, including U.S. intelligence and military personnel and their families, reported having these symptoms in other places, such as China, Europe, and Washington, D.C. So basically, it, it's people who work for the, the government began in, at, at the first known report that they're telling us about. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this has probably been happening for longer. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that first known report sometime in 2016 and happened to embassy staff in Havana, Cuba. 
Now, embassy staff, that's kind of like, you know, you have to wonder exactly what the staff in an embassy is doing. Is it, is it just, are they, are they just, uh, you know, bureaucrats, like they're there, like you've got the secretary who's just checking people in. They're making no real wage. They have no real power. They're just sort of like there. They got the job. They're working. Or making sure people of their country don't get in trouble or can get home. Right. Yeah. Like that's what the embassy is for, basically. Right. It's like a little piece of your soil in a foreign country. Yeah. You know, like so that you can get legal help and uh, try not to get beheaded or something like that. Uh, but it's also, you know, obviously a, a little piece of the U.S. on foreign soil in a hostile territory could also be the, a great place to harbor spies. Obviously. Spies spying on people in Cuba, which I for mean, some reason, uh, I want to say 50 some years after the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say 35 to 40 years after the official end of the Cold War. For some reason, Cuba is still some sort of enemy of the state of the U.S., yeah, no uh, real some, reason. Somebody go ahead and explain that to me. Um, but anyway, uh, there's an embassy there, and some people got zapped by some kind of damage beam. Nobody knows what the fuck it is. And since that first report, the uh, you know, so so it's not so basically it's not confirmed that these were spies who experienced this. Mm-hmm. It just it's it sort of seems like. This is aimed more at civilian personnel, uh, such as journalists and, you know, people who maybe just work in the Defense Department uh, or something like that. They're not necessarily, you know, active spies, but they are people who, you know, they 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 have some connection to U.S. embassies or uh, U.S. Um, activities abroad. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, nobody in the nobody sitting around in the U.S. having a cheeseburger and going to work at Lowe's every day is going to get Havana syndrome. This is only people who have to do with, you know, some sort of direct connection to foreign policy or an embassy. Right. And. Uh, you know, and, and, and those people are going to be in very close proximity, whether they know or want this or not to spies. Mm hmm. So kind of makes them maybe a potential target of some sort of new untraceable weapon. Well, so I'm going to, I'm going to go two directions with this one. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first, this is the safest one to go first. I think your initial assessment of the Havana syndrome is the truth. What was it? What would we say here? 40 people, roughly something like that. Uh, that have been, yeah 40 people that are publicly talking about it that was a party everybody was hung over the next day they all had ringing in the ears and cognitive difficulties <laughs> i got havana syndrome this is that ghb party we were talking about earlier i am so tired havana syndrome havana syndrome so that's one way it could be the truth. The other is if we're if we're talking about the same situations that we are in the gateway process, you know, if there are theta waves that increase cognition, that it's safe to assume that there could be some kind of wave wave format that has a you know, opposing effect. Mm-hmm. You know, that has a negative effect effect on on cognition and could also, you know, 
cause a ringing in the ears? Because I don't know if you have this happen for you, but I have auditory hallucinations when I listen to Theta Waves for long enough. Hmm. Like I start hearing shit that just is not there. Uh, I <clears throat> noticed this a whole bunch the other day when I was when I was really listening to them a lot, trying to do some meditations and all kinds of shit. And uh, I was hearing like almost like a child's a children's chorus. Uh, um, yeah, like the sort of hitting, just hitting notes in harmony over this, you know, or I guess not even over, but more underneath the the theta wave sounds mm -hmm. you know and and but if i decided they weren't there they would disappear so it's obviously this you know auditory hallucination that i can sort of trigger on my own you know so if that's possible with theta waves then let's i'm just gonna say gamma just because i know it's another wave type so fuck mm -hmm. it we'll say gamma for this one as the example i'm not a doctor of sound <laughs> like uh, uh doctor of sound uh master p is the one i'm gonna go with as a master of sound to relate to compared to <laughs> um i'm no master p uh i don't know if you i'm gonna call this back but you so we're doing a lot of classic 90s hip-hop callbacks here because last time uh we talked you talked about or you briefly referenced bobby digital <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking about master p Wu-Tang is for the children. <laughs> Wu-Tang is forever. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I guess I have some fondness in the area. Um, you, can, you can tell what music we grew up with, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it was Gamma, but it's a great way to, to just get an idea for it. So maybe Gamma Waves, you know, when set to the proper dis-octaves or anti-octaves, have cognitive reactions and a ringing in the ears mm -hmm. another like an auditory hallucination that's forced and i don't know if you ever think about it, but whenever you get a ringing in the ears like it becomes so prominent it's hard not to think about yeah you know whenever you really get it ringing in your ears so if that is suggested that you have a ringing in your ears just for a moment that fucking shit ramps up on its own anyway so it very well could have been an auditory hallucination, controllable hallucination, but you just fucking feed into it, you know? Yeah, and, and so there were, there were very, like I said, the symptoms range in severity. The reported symptoms range from pain and ringing in the ears to cognitive difficulties. Mm -hmm. Some people were saying they're, they're severely debilitated by this and it never went away. Some people are saying it happened. Some people were saying that they, you know, felt like they were being cooked. Ooh. You know, like they got, I mean, that sounds like really a radiation. Hot. Yeah. Like they got really hot and like, didn't know what, what was going on or what to do. Um, I think this Wikipedia article is, is intentionally downplaying what some of these people have reported. Uh, mm -hmm. We know, we know about Wikipedia's editorial policy. Say no more. Well, so I, I so sort of had a, a brief thought all, as well of, as far as perpetrators go, um, wouldn't an embassy be the best place for your if a country wanted to test on their own people as well mm -hmm. wouldn't you know like that's a great place to do that yes you know or or to test on multiple people whether or not it contaminates your own country folk as well you know like a gamma wave radiating bomb you know yeah. just deliver it, that to the american embassy and then you've got then you're testing your own shit and making it look like somebody else did it. 
it's an excellent point and it's and it's the problem with having a, you know these organ these issues. government organizations <laughs> that have no oversight and no accountability mm-hmm. you know who is the cia accountable to if if even within the agency there are people who don't know what's going on in the agency yeah or if they do but they uh have plausible deni- deniability about it like how the fuck are you supposed to operate like that you know if you're outside of that organization like how can you ever trust them mm-hmm. and and that was one of the the reasons that in our pre-show discussion i, I brought up that uh, oliver stone interview on joe rogan is and the fact that he pointed to the jfk assassination as being kind of the turning one of the big turning points in uh you know america getting worse as a state because he wanted apparently jfk wanted to either disband or basically neuter the cia and kind of being like hey you know i think you guys are getting a little out of hand here maybe it's time to uh put some checks and balances on the power that you're enjoying wow look how that turned out yeah you know oh yeah oh yeah we were you know as as we were talking about uh you know it was it was one of the one of the biggest times where where the the you know hidden governments or the not even hidden government but you know these these programs that have no oversight decided to redirect the will of at least the representative of of the country Mm -hmm. you know and uh yeah he had a lot of policies that that they were not fond of and Although this is a conspiracy theory, it's pretty plausible to me that it was it was them who pulled who decided that was going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't matter who pulled the trigger. I think it was them who decided that should happen. It, and and it's not even so much in the realm of theory anymore. Like there's so much evidence, like stuff that's been released at, at this point. It's it's fucking wild. There there, but there's still stuff that's being held back that should be like available from a freedom of information act request that's not being released it's like they're waiting for everybody who could possibly be held accountable to die and then maybe you get it but probably not you know because because they would still have to change policies if it comes out yeah somebody else might demand some kind of accountability so yeah that's a great theory it's like well if you want to test something out why not just test it out on your own people yeah you know, why not not even not even intentionally not like, like like passively just not neglectfully not even care that your experiment is included on your own people i mean yeah. it shouldn't be done to anybody and they've done then it it's just like you can pin it on somebody else so easily they can pin that on on cuba so easily saying oh no they they are testing out their weapons on us exactly now canada could have done it it said canadian embassy people did it had it too you know it's like who knows and that's that's why I wanted to focus on the theories regarding cause rather than the theories regarding origin and it. source yeah. because they're all like these really predictable uh, CIA boogeymen. Mm-hmm. Oh, it must have been Russia. You know, oh, it must have been the Chinese. Like, fuck you guys, really, really. Mm-hmm. Come the fuck on. How stupid do you think everybody is? Oh, wait, they are that stupid. Fuck. Right, anyway, we killed the school system, so right. they are that dumb. Everybody gets educated on TikTok now. Theories regarding cause. 
yes. since the first reported case, various scientific studies and reports have attempted to theorize a potential cause. Really, various scientific studies and reports. I would love to know how scientific they were. I imagine it was a bunch of crap. But that's just me reacting. That's my hot take. Uh, but study methods have included neuroimaging, blood markers, and that's it. Apparently, okay. So some, some people got some MRIs. They got some blood tests. That sounds that sounds pretty standard. I mean, usually you go to the doctor for something. You say, "Doc, I got this thing. I don't understand it. Nobody knows what it is." They're like, "Well, we'll send you for a scan and we'll take some blood." Yep. So that seems like it's on the up and up. I don't expect uh, anybody to do anything else. Because what more would they do? So the first theory we have in this uh, inexhaustive list on Wikipedia is microwaves. Oh, no. Somebody put metal in the microwave? Well, so I picture just, you know, big towers of microwaves being strapped to a truck. And then, like, you drive the truck and you aim it at the person you're trying to have Anna syndrome. And then you put a hot pocket in every single microwave. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Turn it on. And you okay. let it go, right? So I like that. Aiming hot pocket beams at, at, at this enemy of the state. Yes. Oh, man. I, that would totally work. Okay. So now I'm building the weapon. So now it's like a hand, it looks like a gun, but instead of a barrel, it's a tiny microwave, right? And you open mm. the door and you set it for 10 minutes. And then the, 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 you got to put a, a hot pocket sleeve in there so you can aim it. Aha, yeah, the sleeve is what, uh, that's, that's what focuses the energy. That's what focuses the hot pocket microwave beams. <laughs> Man, we've, see, we need to start producing sci-fi because this is fucking gold. Yeah, definitely. We can make this happen. So there were some, some studies, uh, some, some articles that were released in uh, JAMA, which is apparently a some sort of journal of something journal of american medical something oh i see i Uh, thought it was computation i thought it was like pajama party monthly (laughs) pajama Pajama. party so some people thought that uh microwaves were a a primary source uh some people these people that thought they were microwaves rejected the idea that a sonic attack was the source of the symptoms because the Facts saw were no consistent with yeah they didn't see any hedgehogs no one was chasing any floating rings uh it seemed like a pulsed radio frequency microwave regulation rfmw exposure okay the nature of the noises the diplomats reported so that's an important po- uh, point is that the everyone who experienced it re- reports hearing a noise but other people nearby could not hear the noise so like w- when you're being affected you hear a noise but no one else hears a noise Mm-hmm. and the the noises they reported were consistent with sounds caused by a pulsed rf slash mw via the fray effect uh the signs and symptoms of the diplomats reported matched symptoms from uh that type of exposure problems with sleep cognition vision balance speech headaches pressure vibration nosebleeds brain injury brain swell brain swelling and so on uh, in the past, a the U.S. Embassy in Moscow was subject to a microwave beam called the Moscow signal. The Moscow uh-huh. signal was referred to be a Soviet espionage technique that might have also had health effects. So at some point, somebody got a Moscow beam aimed at them in Moscow. Mm-hmm. So microwaves, 
seemingly a yeah a, it, uh, a, a cause here, but but it's sort of like you know the the technology to and and so this this Moscow signal thing that was let's just I'm going to go ahead and let me say this was in the 60s. Uh, yeah, 53 to 76. It was directed at an embassy of the United States from 53 to 76. Uh, it was a microwave transmission varying between 2.5 and 4 gigahertz. And depending on its amplitude, how much power they put behind it, it could or could not damage someone. It probably sounds like it was just sort of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like if it was really uh going to be damaging to the physical cells of someone it was like you could just sort of line your hot pocket up in front of the moscow signal and walk away and go to a meeting and then come back and then there you go you got yourself hot lunch a slow cooked hot packet so you know all joking aside microwaves a potential culprit here Mm-hmm. And it is and, the one with the most information as far as the wiki is concerned. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, this is the weird thing that, that I don't get about international espionage and spying and embassies and stuff is like, you're basically just, you, you, this weapon is not meant to kill, not even meant to really permanently damage, but just to annoy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and, and, and I mean, I don't say annoy lightly here because being microwaved, that can't be good for you. No. <laughs> Long term. No. But, it's, but you're not you're not being shot. Uh, you're not really and and it, and honestly, if you just sort of like walked away or left the room, then you'd be okay. Right. But I mean, like, just think about it. Like, you what know, the like... hell kind of weapon just sort of like annoys the shit out of you until you leave a six foot radius of an area? I mean, but they aimed a, but but in you know they it, one of these was aimed at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow, at least reportedly, for like 15 years. Just you know what it is? This low-level microwave at the thing. It's petty. It's petty. It's fucking. That's all petty. it is. Mm-hmm. I think I I think Radiohead put it best when they said, "You do it to yourselves." Mm, yeah. You might have been singular. You do it to yourself, but you know what I mean. They, that was a song. I was going to sing it, but then I remembered that Radiohead is like super popular in all the, in everything right now. They're literally in every dramatic scene in a television show right now. At one point, we'll have a Radiohead song. Have you noticed this? Have you shared this? I love it. I love Radiohead, but it's, I mean, it is so, every time there's a sad, deeply yeah. emotional scene, you're going to hear some Radiohead. And, and good for Radiohead on the licensing. Uh, but that's why I'm not singing any right getting now. Some royalties. We can't afford that shit. Yeah, but I mean, I've never been a fan of Radiohead, and I do know what you're talking about. They, they became incredibly popular for that kind of thing. That kind of like, like let's wrench your emotional insides, whether mm-hmm. you've heard Radiohead or not, because they're no, yeah, no, no, so I'm, emotional. I'm a big fan. I, you know, I've always I've liked Radiohead for a long time. Got to meet got Tom York once. Uh, that was pretty cool. Except he kind of blew me off, but whatever. You know, it was an, it, it was a sore spot for a little bit. I got to admit, but it's fine. Well, who wouldn't? I mean, he was probably uh, in between his heroin fixes. I mean, he's we were uh, fucking whatever, man. Just trying to my, go get a shot. Yeah, my dad was selling him a guitar, actually. And uh, when he picked it up, he started playing um, Caribou by the Pixies. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, oh, man, that's funny. Every time I pick up a bass, the first song I play is Gigantic. Another Pixies song. 
And he just sort of looked at me and then turned away and started playing some more. (laughs) (laughs) like, child, you know not of what you speak. Oh, dude, I was in my 20s. So I was like the prime age to be a dumb fan. So it was fine. The more I... Every time I reflect on it, the sillier I seem to myself in the whole situation. But it's just, it was just like, if he'd had, if he'd been on like a computer chair, he would have just spun away from me. <laughs> it's like playing, like playing guitar here. Yep. Just, I'm just going to do this. Goodbye. It's pretty funny. So apparently a few scientists consider the microwave hypothesis implausible. Yep. But they think. Uh, we we might have known what they thought if Wikipedia wasn't an editorial uh, clusterfuck because there's nothing in there about why oh. they thought what they thought. Okay. So fuck Wikipedia. But uh, cricket noises is the next. That was another idea. The next heading. Uh, some people made audio recordings during the incidents, one of which was obtained by the Associated Press. Hmm. Obtained. Anyway, uh, someone analyzed the recordings and concluded the sound was caused by the calling of the song of the Indies short-tailed cricket rather than a technological device. Oh, so this is, we're departing from the uh, heading theories regarding cause and just saying that, by the way, there were cricket noises. Thank you, Wikipedia. And all those Wikipedia warriors, everybody who edited this article, I just want to just give you a big... uh, Thumbs sideways. I don't understand what you're doing here because this is not helpful. It also could have been uh, ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah. In March 2018, Kevin Fu and a team of computer scientists reported in a study that ultrasound, specifically intermodulation distortion, from malfunctioning or improperly placed Cuban surveillance equipment could have been the origin of the reported sounds. So, you know, again, this is like, this is a really... This, this article has been hacked to pieces. Yeah. This is sad. I'm, I'm going to stop at this subhead because this is just getting like lame. But basically what they're saying here in this subhead is, uh, you know, the, the noise that could have been heard. Because uh, think, you know, I'm just going to go back to this. The heading of this part of the article is theories regarding cause. But the last two things we've talked about have not been theories regarding the cause. Uh, hopefully this one will be because it sounds really exciting psychogenic origin after the initial reports of the incidents in havana the fbi's behavioral analysis unit or bow (laughs) visited the city and came to the assessment that the individuals were suffering from a mass psychogenic illness psychogenic not a term that you hear every day or ever yeah seems made up quite, quite honestly the behavioral analysis unit, or BOW, did not speak to any of the afflicted people directly, instead relying on transcripts of previous interviews that the FBI had conducted with patients. So the FBI said, it's all in your head, I guess. Uh, brain differences in diplomats, uh, wholly psychogenic or psychosomatic. Okay, so yeah, psychogenic, uh, this made up word that they have here is essentially just saying it's all in your head. Uh, you're just uh, you're just perceiving these symptoms of dizziness and unsteadiness. I'm so excited I get to use this phrase again because I learned it earlier this week and I thought it was purdy, so I tried to remember it. It's a folie à deux. Folie à deux. Oh, okay. So that yeah. is the, uh, the French term. Yeah. For folly of two, and right. it's uh, it's a way to describe 
like a group psychosis, mm-hmm. which is what yeah. they're sort of saying it is now. And, and that's pretty much where there's a lot of text in this article, but that's pretty much where it goes. Uh, you can tell the editorial policy of Wikipedia by the fact that the section about Russia is bigger than any other section. Yeah. Uh, and the Defense Department Task Forces. So Havana Syndrome, it is still a uh, unsolved case yeah. of... And of some sort of purported attack on U.S. embassy on U.S. personnel, uh, mm-hmm. specifically around embassies and foreign policy officials. Interesting. And I think that you know, just you know, gut instinct off of everything that we just saw, and the you know the furiously edited, the clearly furiously edited Wikipedia article that we were going on probably by the intelligence agencies is that this is probably something that is a weapon that is being tested by the intelligence services on people in the uh, U.S. government and its employee. Yeah. You know, go ahead and test out this weapon. It's mostly non-lethal. You know, maybe some people will get some nosebleeds, but then we can have some nice press pieces about how this is all about Russia. Right. Or maybe right. It's the I mean, Chinese, right? you know, it's like the same. It's, it's, it's Agent Orange, except less, obviously less lethal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the same thing. Government said, hey, let's, uh, let's test out this shit on our own people. And since they're over on, in, in war, everybody will think that the enemy did it. And I want to throw out there something that uh, I, somebody brought this to my attention. I can't remember who she was. She was a, uh, a intellectual that I was listening to being interviewed on the Thaddeus Russell podcast. But she said the, the term intelligence community did not used to be a thing, right? This is, this is an abuse of language and a method of getting people to feel like they have a, a rapport and trust with these agencies who really don't have anyone's best interest at heart but their own right this is not a community these are agencies which are we know there's actual like released evidence that they're have done and are doing very bad things so next time you hear someone say intelligence community please don't feel warm and funny fuzzy inside (laughs) these are not good people this is not a good organization and uh, havana syndrome well i wish that it was just the feeling you got when you wanted to go back to Cuba and grip a nice cocktail and smoke a cigar. Right. Right. Have a, Oh man, there's this great Cuban restaurant, Cebo de Cuba in, uh, 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 Frederick. And, um, Oh man, they got these potatoes there that are so damn good. They got so much. Everything there is good. Everything there is so good. I love Cuban food. I did. I'm sorry. Now I'm just getting hungry again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Thinking the about only, that. The only Cuban food I can think of that I'm really familiar with, the only dish, uh, specific dish. I mean, I think of Cuban food. Uh, I'm thinking of a lot of related dishes from nearby islands. But the one thing that I'm thinking that I think is quintessentially Cuban that I personally know about mm-hmm. is the Cuban sandwich. It's a great sandwich. Now, what else do they have at the Cuban restaurant over there in Frederick? Um, you know what? I'm just going to pull up their menu because it's been a few years since I lived in Frederick and, and ate there. 
let's talk let's talk cuban food for a second here absolutely i'm gonna guess that there is some kind of sofrito involved just let me get there <laughs> uh so oh yeah got the empanadas empanadas mm. they're always good um ham corquettes Ooh. Uh, a bit of a french influence yeah oh they got the plantains those were good papa relena that's the mashed potatoes i was thinking about because it's mashed potatoes stuffed with ground beef holy shit is amazing mm, that sounds really good it's so fucking good. So they roll um, up ground beef, or they roll up some ground beef uh, in some mashed potatoes. Inside them mashed taters, and it is fantastic. Um, and then what? What? What did I always get? Um, I mean, the the cubano is is fantastic. Sandwich de pollo, fantastic. Um, oh yeah, no, the pancom biztec. So it's just thin sirloin steak. And onions. Mm, the basics. Oh, it's amazing. Just just amazing. I loved eating there. I used to eat there all the time when I worked at a uh, this antique store down the street. So I guess after we do our Monroe Institute retreat, we'll have to go to Cuba. Can we are we that? allowed to yet? Were we did that get go through where we're are okay we, to go to Cuba? Are now? we allowed to go to Cuba? Are we yeah. <laughs> I'm literally gonna Google this right now? I also, think we can go to Cuba, right? You just can't bring anything back or something. Traveling to Cuba, usembassy.gov. You may experience strange symptoms that are uh, <laughs> seem like you're being microwaved. Just ah, hold up a hot pocket. Travel to Cuba for tourist activities remains prohibited by statute. However, the Department of Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, has issued general licenses for 12 categories of travel. Uh, so we could look up those 12 categories and try to shoehorn ourselves into them. Basically. Yeah, we could try. Didn't your, un- your uncle went to Cuba, right? Yeah, he spent some time in Cuba. Uh, um, from, from what I've been told by the family, he got kicked out because it, now he was a scientist, uh, a herpetologist for the Smithsonian. So, uh, so reptiles and amphibians is what he was studying in Cuba, but uh, it apparently Resisting may have been the felt. Joke here. What? Herpetologist. Oh well, yeah, obviously that's a great <laughs> joke, and we all know it's right there on the table. You don't right even on... need it. It's right there. But uh, <laughs> leave no, it hanging so... out there. <laughs> so he uh, uh, he was asked to leave the country because they believed he might be a American spy. Mm-hmm. Right. So whether or not they, at least they didn't microwave him. At least they didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so it's funny because it's like either there's 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 a couple possibilities. Either he I, he was not a spy by trade for sure. He was obviously a scientist. But you know, I guess the question was whether or not the government asked him, "Hey, while you're there checking out these snakes, why don't you put a bug or two in these offices?" You know. Mm-hmm. I think that was where the the idea comes from, mainly with with that kind of travel, and hence why it would be, you know, so tempting to target embassies and people who are working or visiting any sort of embassies. Like you just sort of do a blanket attack on any kind of embassy because you know most spies are masquerading as just I'm just an innocent herpetologist. 
I'm right. just here to look at snakes. Right. You know, but, but actually, unfortunately for Cuba, he was legit there to look at snakes. Yeah, he really just wanted to collect snakes. Yeah, yeah. And that they are now in my basement. Got some snake jars down there. Snake jars. Yep. It's weird, but it's fun. <laughs> it's a good time. I enjoy them. And with all of that behind us, we now proceed into the dark woods of the gateway process. And here we go into the analysis and assessment of the gateway project. That's gateway process. I keep saying we, I, project, but it's the process. I know. And that was my fault because I I initially did that and corrected myself and I already I put it out there. It sounds um, a lot more catchy than process, I gotta say. Yeah, well, you like to have a project. Um, <clears throat> but so, so we uh yes, we're gonna talk about the the uh gateway process. First, we're gonna do a little recap because it was a pretty heavy episode, you know, it was rough. And uh, so if you remember from last time, the the gateway process was basically uh, a way to more easily tap into the astral planes. Right. It was it was it was like the 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 highway to getting into the astral planes. And what they did is they did some experiments with it. They did some tests with it. And they in the in the paperwork here, we went through a lot of background you know of of things that were related to and helped create this process as a whole we talked about let's see we went through hypnosis transcendental meditation we got some biofeedback in there uh they were talking about hemisync which was realigning or um. <laughs> is it got a hammy um getting them we need we'll have to throw some revving hemi engines in there um getting both sides of your brain to line up with their wavelengths so they're working together um and then free frequency following response which was uh uh you know another thing fucking i'll get there <laughs> i'm trying not to go over too much of this stuff but also remind you a little bit so like well, I, I don't think we need to recap everything. I think we just need okay. to recap where we left off. All right. right. So and, where we... and where we left off was us trying to wrap our heads around this idea of a laser and the surface of water and rocks. And it was the hologram. The... I, yeah, it was yeah, the hologram. hologram stuff. The fact that everything is a hologram and a hologram is nothing more than the vibr the you know, like the interpolation of two beams of light that are at odds with each other and they produce a frequency, which is also a sound, right? Like, so it's yeah. like, it's a sound and it's a light and those are the same thing. And that's what creates matter. And right. that's also energy and they're the same. Right, that's right. And that, that's and what how, we're really grappling with. And how your brain <laughs> didn't create consciousness consciousness was there first and came up with the the appearance of a brain right exactly as, as a as a locator point for specific consciousness and 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 this the the crazy thing Fuck. about this is and you know in the beginning the guy was talking about how i have to take this away from an occult context and make it 
have it make sense for a, uh, a you know a rationalist materialist perspective but when you say something like that like that's literally those are the fucking first words of the book of genesis like you know uh, and you know god was there and god said let there be light right the consciousness of god came first and then god said let there be light and then there's right. the light right so it's like the, it's you know your your brain didn't make the consciousness the consciousness was already there and then it made the brain mm-hmm. right so this this consciousness thing that we're we're grappling with that we struggle as humans to define you know really this guy is saying you know science has now determined at least in in this paper that was there first the consciousness was there first everything else came afterwards yeah and that's how do you separate that from its occult roots maybe it's just the fact that you know that the occultism should be given more credit yeah Mm -hmm. you know i mean and that's the whole thing like you run into so many things in 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 especially the older religions uh uh you know the the bce religions that that were so far ahead of their time i mean they talked about antimatter in runes like the concept of antimatter in runes the concept of multi-dimensional planes of existence mm-hmm. are within norse mythology like we've known shit for so long you know their mayan and aztec ruins have fucking spaceships carved into them this shit I'm getting. I'm. I'm going off the rails again. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm going to bring it back. Well, no, there's no problem because <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about this while I was doing research for another episode. Like, I started reading certain things. I started reading some some uh, Gnostic mythology. <clears throat> you know, calling it mythology, whatever. It it definitely seems like a story to me, but you know, our the, the part of our brain that we're op- using right now operates on stories. And the story, as I was reading it, started to trigger physical memories, right? Like there's, there's memories of, you know, I can tell you a story of what happened or like, you know, a memory of a story that someone told me, but then there's, there's also like the physical memory that's mapped onto an organism's DNA that lets it know what to do in certain situations and tells it what has happened before and tells it what's coming. And when I was reading these stories, I started to get these uh, these sensations of physical memory, you know, with like, you know, spheres of light and like layers of consciousness and layers of existence. And, you know, it seemed to me that these are very, these were the sort of base, you know, physical memories that are indescribable and unverifiable through any sort of modern means but they they, they're there anyway they're the same kind of thing that tells a cat to chase a mouse or tells a caribou to run across the savannah it's like it's, it's just things that the organism knows and they go all the way back to the beginning and it, and it was like the story of this very beginning thing that started to you know make me have this weird synesthetic experience and I, I just felt like that was very apropos of what we're talking about here, where it's like, what came first? And then also, what can, you know, do we remember more than we, we think we do or that we know, you know, do we remember more than we think that we do? 
Right. It's almost like muscle memory, but beyond muscles. Yeah. Way beyond that. You know, yeah. like every organism, you know, that comes into existence starts doing things. Nobody taught it how to do those things. It just knows. So the knowledge must have come first. I mean, it doesn't just spontaneously become a thing. Right. It's not like we're physically downloading it from the matrix, but it's kind of the same thing. It's that, mm-hmm. it's that the, uh, the univer- universal plane of knowledge, I guess extra universal, because it's outside of you know, our universe of space and time. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that, <clears throat> that cloud <laughs> storage that we have outside of our yeah. <laughs> ultimate galactic and, cloud storage. Yeah. And everybody gets to download the basics for free. Yeah. The rest of Not it's like uh, the GPS, the rest of it's play to earn. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny way to look at it. That's how you level up though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole lot. That's very, very fun to try to wrap your head around. So again, you know, I said this last episode a lot, but I'm going to say it again. I highly recommend you read it. You can download it as a PDF uh, uh, for free. So, or you can read it on the internet. Just read it if you're interested. Really, really sit there and, and take it in on your own. It's a lot of fun. Um, so, so and, and, it, and it does build on itself. Each paragraph, I, I think that the person who wrote this did a great job of, you know, putting it together in, because this person had to prepare this report for their superior who had no knowledge of the operation, right? It's just sort right. of like, this is like you're, if, if you've ever been in any sort of position where you have to, you know, as a journalist or as a, uh, you know, as a, a, an analyst of any kind, you have to like try and inhale as much information on a topic as you can and prepare a story that's you know that's presented in a way that someone who didn't do all that research can try to get right you know and i think this person did a really good job of it and it it really seems to go off the rails at 14 where it's like by the way everything's just a hologram right and (laughs) your brain here's why it's a brain yeah and and what he really kind of sort of said at the end of paragraph 14 is like and if you didn't understand that don't worry about it. Just hold it in your mind, right? Like that, yeah. that was the, the point of that quote that you brought up in the last episode, which is you're not thinking, you're just being logical. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just hold these concepts in your mind and proceed. And so yeah. with, with that, we move to 15, paragraph 15, brain in phase. Brain in phase. <clears throat> the, the consciousness process is most easily envisaged If we pictured the holographic input with a three-dimensional grid system superimposed over it so that the, so that all of the energy patterns contained within can be described in terms of three-dimensional geometry using mathematics to reduce the data to two-dimensional form. Bentov states that scientists suspect that the human mind operates on a simple binary go no go system as do all digital computers therefore once it superimposes a three-dimensional matrix over the holographic information it wishes to interpret and reduce that information mathematically to two-dimensional form it can completely process it using its fundamental binary system 
Just as any computer made by the hand of man can process volumes of data and make various comparisons between the data and information stored in its digital memory. Our minds operate in the same way, perceiving by comparison only. Bentov states that proposition in this way. Our whole reality is constructed by constantly making such comparisons. Whenever we perceive something, we perceive differences only. In states of expanded consciousness, the right hemisphere of the brain, in its holistic, nonlinear, and nonverbal mode of functioning, acts as the primary matrix or receptor of this holographic input, while operating in phase or coherence. Oh, did I skip a line? You just give one word. By operating in phase or coherence with the right brain, the left hemisphere provides the secondary matrix through its binary computer-like method of functioning to screen further the data by comparison and reduce it to a discrete two-dimensional form. So what what the author is really is really trying to get across here is that he's he has really tapped into Bentov's idea that the human mind operates on a binary go, no go, off, on, yes, no system. Right. Ones and zeros. It's and, all it is. Hence, you know, why the rudimentary intelligences that have spun off from human intelligence operate right. on the same principle, right? Like the, it, there's no, there's nothing, uh, we haven't been able to create anything, any more imaginative or perceptive or interesting than what we already have going on right now. You know, there appears to be some sort of an evolution taking place, but I don't think it really is. It's just more of a, uh, it's, it's the same intelligence operating in a different medium with less inputs, right? Like uh, the, the, the artificial intelligence happening in silicon has fewer inputs with which to make decisions than we do, having right. you know, six or more senses. So anyway, you know, Bentov is, is doing something here, which I think is very common in humanity, which is to uh, take your existing worldview. I mean, and who could help but do this, but take your existing worldview and, and project it onto uh, something else, either in the future or the past or in the present. And right here, he's saying that the human mind, which has been, has been around for far longer than Bentov has, but he's saying Bentov, as a man who has uh, become a intellectual in the computer age, is saying, oh, well, the human mind must be like a computer. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's wrong, but I'm just saying that it, the, the, his filter might be turned up too high. Right? Yeah, it's, it's obviously, calling the human yeah. mind a simple go-no-go -no -go system, I think, is oversimplifying it a bit. But at the a same bit. time, I have to, uh, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt and and truly examine whether or not the human mind might uh, be doing that or not. But so I, I don't think Bentov is the one who is saying that we're superimposing a three-dimensional matrix over holographic information it wishes to interpret, right? Like the, that part seems to be coming from a lot of different sources, but it is a good description of what's going on, right? Like with the, when, when the human mind or any other mammalian mind on earth is trying to, you know, do make decisions and survive and the environment of the planet 
Yeah, I mean, it, and I don't know. When I read it, the the best way I could simplify it in in understanding, and I and I, you know, I agree with this idea is that you know we figure out what something is by figuring out what it isn't. Right. You know, that's Checking how you break down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like, is that is that food? Does it check all the boxes for food? Well, those those boxes are all things that it is or isn't because there's a lot more options for not. There's a lot more options for off, you know? So it's that like rapidly going through all the categories of not until you find is, you know? And that's how yeah. we that's how we take in everything, you know, visually with this. If we're taking in these holograms and then trying to interpret them, we're interpreting them by saying, what are they not? That leads us to what they are. Even in just looking at a wall, you know, and saying, is that, you know, is that solid water, gas, you know, filtering through, going through all the no's until we come to our yeses. I think you're, you're absolutely right in calling that out because even in our discussion, we're proving this hypothesis to be true. You know, we're, we're both evaluating the differences and, and just, and trying to determine what this paragraph is not in order to, to strip away everything that it's not and determine what it is. So the search for meaning is inherently subtractive in, in that way. You know, it's like it, it, meaning is not apparent. And so we must dig and dig and dig and strip away and strip away everything that it's not in order to discover what it is. Right. Taking, taking away the sediment to find the fossil. And that's a curious mode. And I wonder if it is the absolute mode, right? Because meaning can also be additive. Meaning can be uh, generative. We could just Mm -hmm. make up a meaning, but if we made one up, then the other human computers would look at it and start trying to strip everything away from it. interesting it's fucking wild man (laughs) so in but in states of expanded consciousness this is the last sentence the right hemisphere of the human brain in its holistic non-linear and non-verbal mode of functioning so this is you know every human brain without the um the aid of other human brains and communicating with them just the you know if, if there were a single human brain yeah. Computing. And let me let me jump in there because this I find very interesting with the holistic, nonlinear, nonverbal mm-hmm. mode. Um, in other books, you know, I've read uh, like I think Way of the Shaman talks about this. I have to find it so I can get the author. I'll put that in later uh, or I'll mention that on the website. I'll bring a link to it. But it talks about the three levels of um, understanding and communication. So it's basically these three tiers of what you can describe about something you've taken in like internally. So there's the, the level of your brain of understanding where you understand an idea or an ideal at its most base, right? And you're in your root. It's just an understanding that cannot be verbalized whatsoever, right? It's just, it's feeling without description. Then the second layer, you, you can put it into, not necessarily words you can't express it but you can visualize it you can visualize this idea 
And then the third stage or the third level of communication and understanding is, you know, that which you can put together so well that you can describe it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this, the, this holistic, nonlinear, nonverbal is describing that plane of understanding where it's a core understanding, something that not, you can't necessarily express or even, you know, put to a play inside of your head, you know, to try to explain it, but it's a core, your most core and base understanding of a situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that, that make sense? So it does. That happens to me a lot at work where it's like, I, I understand uh, a, a whole shitload of complex concepts and the way they interact, but I, I don't understand it well enough to be able to uh, take it out of the holistic, which is just what I'd like intuitively understand into the linear, which is something that I could maybe eventually write down what it is. And certainly into the verbal, which is me being able to tell someone else about it and have them understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's definitely, that's a really interesting uh, hierarchy to think about for any concept, you know, and, and to think about, you know, that being able to communicate a concept. Right. That but you I understand. I think it's also very useful of an idea in this, because as you were saying earlier, it's, that's how you can, by by understanding those levels, you can hold on to something easier while still not understanding it, mm -hmm. because you can take the core idea of what it's like, what it's just bringing up inside of you, reading about it as that core understanding that you don't need to express. You can hold on to it in just that layer and still have a, a version of understanding that even you don't completely under, under, contemplate yet. You can't have all the pieces together. You can't put them all together yet, but they're there. It's like a puzzle inside of a box that you haven't put together yet. But all the pieces are there and you know they are all there. Yeah. You know? And so that, uh, that right hemisphere of the brain in, in states of expanded consciousness can apparently use its holistic, nonlinear, and nonverbal mode of functioning to figure out the holographic input. But the interesting thing here is that, that they're trying to describe is that by operating in phase, in phase, this is a very important uh, thing to call out, or in or coherence, mm -hmm. if we're not using strictly, uh, you know, light related or <laughs> terminology, frequency yeah. related terms, by operating in coherence with the right brain, the left hemisphere then provides the secondary matrix so you're filtering first through this matrix on the right and then filtering it again through this matrix on the left, the, uh, the binary computer-like method of functioning to screen further the data by comparison and reduce it to a discrete two-dimensional form. So th this is the, you know, the heading, brain and phase. So the, the right brain taking in all of the holographic input and the input of the senses um, even if you're missing one or two, you're still processing all of these things. Yeah. And, and, and you can function almost completely without the left brain, right? Like the, this is like purely just, you know, you're just, you're doing nothing but interpreting the incoming sensory data from the environment and your auto, I'm going to go with the sympathetic nervous system. 
I think, is going to react to that and attempt to keep you alive and mm-hmm. help you procreate. Uh, but then there's a further, uh, you know, a, a further processing that happens in the left hemisphere where you start to reduce all of that input and that data uh, further and try to extract meaning from it, try to produce some sort of meaning from all of this data that otherwise you could you could continue to exist and reproduce and and you know make more of yourselves to continue to experience this into perpetuity mm-hmm. but you would never without the left side of the brain you would never feel the need to or or the desert drive and desire to strip away things and and to try and hew meaning out of all of that right Right. But then on the flip side of that coin, you can take that left brain, right? And you can describe every feeling you have. You can just, of, of, you know, like the heat that you feel on your face, uh, uh, of, of the smell of the dew in the air, you know, and, and the way the grass feels on your bare feet, all during a beautiful sunrise, right? You can categorize all of it but it still never fully takes you to that place where if you just had the memory of that sunrise, you close your, and you remember the sunrise, you have the full, almost the full experience that just the description does not give. So that's that right brain where it, it, it just takes in all the senses and not necessarily categorizes, but just, feels them just mm-hmm. just lets them in and takes all of the information in at once you know what i mean and and Simply that's where that's yeah that's where that right brain is is actually feeling the sunrise and the the indescribable effects that it has no matter how hard you try to describe it mm-hmm. so it's like the right brain you know if we can just put this in like brutally simple and almost comical terms the right brain is is having a great time watching the sunrise, enjoying a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. It's like watching birds fly around. It's like, wow, the sunrise is fucking great. This is amazing. That's right. And then the left brain wakes up and it comes in and it, uh, you know, brews a gigantic pot of coffee and immediately starts thinking about <clears throat> it's, it's like, hey, right brain. Hey, uh, did you notice that the clouds up there? Maybe they're uh, maybe they look a little more ominous than, ominous than yesterday. She knows that maybe there's a little bit of a, a little bit of gray cloud there. Maybe maybe uh, maybe that cloud uh, portends some sort of bad thing that's on the horizon. Hmm. Maybe that has to do with the people that came into town the other day. Maybe that has to do with uh, you know. And he just the left brain comes in and just starts immediately grinding away at trying to figure something out from mm-hmm. this thing of which there is nothing to figure out it is simply a sunrise right and that's like you know that that's this thing that we're always fighting and it's super useful for certain things but at the same time like how useful is it if at its roots it sort of makes everyone miserable yeah well i think it it it, seems almost maladaptive to seek meaning i don't understand why like how is that an evolutionary advantage i think i don't know I think I don't think it's an evolutionary advantage. I think it is just a continuation of what 
the universe is as a whole, which is trying to understand itself. Because mm-hmm. we're questioning our reality all the time. You know, even if it's you're not you're questioning, why do you uh, uh, keep not getting your DoorDash drinks? Or why is it every time <laughs> I buy something I have to assemble, I'm missing or have the wrong part? one wrong part you know it's 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 trying to find logic but it's also trying to understand itself because if we can find a system then that system might be manipulable you know what i mean so it's just the universe trying to understand itself i think that's where all of this comes from personally Mm -hmm. um and then uh i think I, i think i can actually I feel like this is the best way I can summa- summarize it in one sentence. Right brain fiction, left brain nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And you I know? think that that is a that is a profoundly left brain thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like, to truly you- understand fiction is so much deeper than just things that are made up. It's, yeah. it's inspiration, it's morals, it's, it's trying to explain the esoteric and the unexplainable mm, yeah, through experience. Morals and ethics. And, yeah. Right, which is a whole lot more left-braining interpreting right-brain, though. So I still think it works. It keeps working in on itself. It's like we're needing some, some bread yeast. So, brain and face. So... The brain in phase <laughs> definitely opens up a lot of uh, interesting discussion and um, in, uh, introspection. Yeah, it sure does. Into our into the workings of our own minds. I, I feel like since it's a short one, we should do sixteen as well. You want to do sixteen as well? Okay, we'll do, do one it. more. We know it's a long episode. Uh, <laughs> if, evaluation, paragraph sixteen. So we'll do one more. All right. So evaluation to the extent that gateway succeeds in bringing about a refinement in energy matrix of the mind, it succeeds in expanding or altering human consciousness so that it can perceive without recourse to the intercession of the physical senses, such that even more of the universal hologram parentheses, not of course accessible by sense perception can ultimately be perceived and understood. Marilyn Ferguson has written that the theories of the primbum and bomb, B-O-H-M, appear to account for all transcendental experience, paranormal events, and even normal perceptual oddities. She goes to say of Freebrum, currently he is proposing a startling all-encompassing model that is generating considerable, considerable excitement among those intrigued by the mysteries of the human consciousness. His holographic model marries brain research to theoretical physics. It accounts for normal perception and simultaneously takes the paranormal and transcendental experiences out of the supernatural by explaining them as part of nature. Like certain strange discoveries of quantum physics, the radical reorientation of this theory suddenly makes sense of paradoxical sayings of mystics throughout the ages. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially what the paragraph 16 evaluation is saying is 
kind of what we were just getting at is that this radical re reorientation of this theory suddenly makes sense of paradoxical sayings of mystics throughout the ages. I think it's a really critical yeah. part of that point. And it's, it's something that takes the woo out of woo-woo. You know, it's like for the, the contemporary rationalist materialist uh, will definitely you know, as a matter of course, poo-poo anything that seems even quasi-religious or, you know, anything that's not, you know, quantifiable, verifiable. I mean, the only problem with that approach is that when, when the rationalist materialists own physics and sciences advance far enough, I mean, I don't, I don't even want to say advanced, but once they probe and explore far enough and start to discover things which are provable but are not understandable, you get this sort of like this thing that it's like, oh, everyone knew this all along. Uh, they just couldn't describe it. Like we it were was saying in that earlier. right brain. It's it been that right. Brain. Brain. Yeah, like, it's been there for centuries. Yeah. So you know, and, and then you have to try to, to get someone to listen to you, you have to try and strip out those things that uh, were considered a cult throughout the centuries. Uh, you know, strip out the mystical and try to say it in scientific terms, but even science sounds like, uh, you know, religious crazy talk once you start to get past a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're getting we're getting to the point where this is a grimoire. Yeah, it's getting wild. So we know that this episode is going on for a while, and um, we didn't really do a huge segment, <laughs> uh, main segment. Uh, we <laughs> we haven't talked in like I think a month. The the holiday season really kind of got got uh, us sidetracked. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of other things to talk about, but we. I think our plan is the next episode, we're going to skip past all of our normal segments, unless someone emails us. And we'll skip. They did podcast at protonmail.com or uh, hits us up on any sort of social media or discord or something like that. Yep. We will skip right into paragraph 17 and try to dive right into the, uh, the gateway process. And I yep. think that what we should also do is have we reached a point in this where we can attempt the uh technique ourselves and report back or is that further on we're getting there we are getting there and uh you know there is some free stuff on the monroe institute's website that lines up with this so we should be able to yeah we should be able to do some experimentation at least pull off some basic stuff cool so all right, so we'll do that, and um, in our, in the next episode, we will pick this back up at Gateway Process Part Three. Yes. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, enjoying our ramblings because we definitely went to a woo-woo place today, and it was a good time. Um, and uh, yeah, hope to hope to hear from you any way we can. Absolutely. We will see you on the internets and the podcast lands very soon. Ladle. See ya.
Yes, 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 yes,